Flashback Fridays on SAFM. Okay, let's get straight into it and let's welcome our guest on the line. Josh Strauss joins us on the line, former Scotland International. Josh, good evening. Thanks for being able to speak to us here on SAFM tonight. No, hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Josh. Where, where in the world are you? Are you back home? Are you still overseas? <laughs> no, I'm back back in the Western Cape. I live with my family in Wellington, just outside of Paul. And I've been back here since 2020. Okay, wonderful. Because I heard you were in Israel. Were you in Israel sometime playing your rugby there? Yeah, I finished, uh, I finished off in France last year, uh, June, July-ish. And then I went... To help with the coaching for the the new uh, team, the professional team in Israel, the Tel Aviv Heat, who's now just entered the European Super Cup, which is like the Tier 2 Champions Cup. And uh, I actually went to go coach, and then with a few injuries, Mm. I got asked to play, and I ended up just playing the two games for them there. Okay, but how was that experience for you in Israel? Because that's not one of the places you expect that uh, they, they have rugby. Uh, I actually, unfortunately, never got out to Israel um, because it was their first year as a team and as a franchise. They and most of the South African, uh, the coaching staff is South African. So the camp was held in Johannesburg, where I joined up with them, and then we went. So the team went over to Georgia for a game, which I didn't join for because I was busy here in South Africa. And then I just played the two matches in Russia for them, but I never actually got to Tel Aviv. But how serious are they about their rugby? <clears throat> I mean, it's uh, it's it's building there at the moment. Uh, obviously. They pushed very hard um, to be, so there was one spot left in that European Super Cup and they weren't sure of, you know, who to put in it, etc. And uh, the Israeli Rugby Union uh, pushed very hard, which is also led by South Africans um, of Jewish, Jewish heritage. So they pushed very hard and at the end of the day, they got the spot and obviously now they're trying to build something. They've set up club structures there in terms of amateur rugby and then obviously the one professional team. Okay, wonderful. And then you said your last serious playing stint was was in France. So is that that's when you called it quits. What what um, helped you make that decision? How do you know it's the right time? I mean, it's tough. It's always tough to know when it's the right time. I think COVID sort of helped me decide this uh, on, you know, stopping and the market for rugby was down a little bit and you know, I was getting older and I actually, funnily enough, I got uh, after my time in France, when I thought about finishing up, I got an offer to possibly go back to England and um, subsequently did a medical, which I failed uh, with my knee. And, you know, I just said to my wife, I feel like the universe is telling me something and I quit. <laughs> and how's life after rugby then? It's a bit it's very busy, frantic, obviously. Um, I I thought about finishing up, but I wasn't 100% sure, so I didn't really plan accordingly. And then when I failed the medical, uh, obviously, I made the decision that it was finished. And, um, yeah, I took on a new job with Saks in Cape Town in January wow. as a consultant there for rugby and to help them with the recruitment and things like that. And I must say, I've really, really, really enjoyed it so far. I mean, it's obviously a, the oldest school in the country. Mm-hmm. so a lot of tradition there. 
and uh, very good culture and also obviously playing in the Super A League of Western Cape Schoolboy Rugby, which is a very tough competition. So it's exciting. And we're seeing Schoolboy Rugby is on TV now. Um, the players are signing contract. How, how, how competitive is it now? Extremely competitive. I make the point a lot uh, while I'm working at the school and with the boys and um, obviously trying to manage their load. As I remember when I was at school, uh, given I never played first team, but, um, you know, we train twice a week. That's from my memory. We trained, you know, a Tuesday. We, we were training, but, it, you know, it wasn't very professional. We weren't really doing fitness and things like that. We were playing yeah. touch rugby and doing basic skills. And then on a Thursday, more team stuff. And Saturdays you play. And nowadays with the schoolboys, <clears throat> I mean, they train Monday, Tuesdays, Thursday, Fridays, play Saturdays. So it's almost a fully professional setup. And what do you make of that? Is that the way to go? Because we're seeing even some of them straight out of school, they head to France, they head overseas, they get snapped up by these clubs. It's tough. Uh, it's a tough one. It's a debatable one. And again, I think it comes down to your own perception of it. Uh, I do think, you know, it's a double-edged sword here, this answer, because I think we're putting a little bit too much pressure on, on kids uh, in terms of sports and stuff these days. But then, you know, you've got the other side of the coin where if, if they're not competitive and they don't go to a school that is competitive, they possibly miss out on opportunities for life after school in terms of rugby. So it's a very tough one to answer straight away. I, I'm a believer that we are probably, you know, putting too much stress, stress and pressure on, on high school kids and especially with the way they train and things like that. But then obviously you'll get the other side of the debate. You know, the younger they start, the better of a base and platform they build. Okay, for those who are just joining us here on SAFM, we are catching up with the former Scotland international, a former captain of the Lions, of course, uh, George Strauss. Uh, just, he's just told us what he's up to now. Uh, stopped playing last year. And we're also going to get his thoughts on the URC. I'm sure he's been following that. And just look back at his career and how he ended up playing for Scotland. You're welcome to send us your voice notes, 061-4104-107. Josh, I'm sure you've been following the URC with keen interest. What have you made of the standard of the rugby? Um, yeah, I think it's very it's a very good standard. I think it really picked up. I, th I thought initially the South African team struggled to you know get off to a good start, and I I sort of uh, thought that that was going to be the case. You know, um, it's very different the styles in rugby, and obviously the conditions up there are very different to what we're used to as South African people. Um, so I thought initially the South African teams would struggle to find their feet. I did, if I'm being honest, say to a lot of my friends, I doubt that in the first year any of our teams would probably make the quarters and semis, mm. but we'll kick on after that. And um, definitely in the second half of the tournament, the teams really upped their game and they found their stride and basically started competing well. And what do you think changed in your opinion or was it just was it home ground advantage? How much of that is a factor? I think that does play a, a big role. Um, I obviously was lucky enough to play with a lot of the guys um, who are currently still playing URC in terms of the European teams and specifically the Scottish teams. And um, I've actually gone to see both of those teams while they were here in South Africa. 
And I mean, even, you know, in my day when I was playing and you're traveling and especially with international travel, it does really affect um, your week and your preparation and things like that. So, and from that perspective is, is why I thought the South African teams would probably struggle a bit more in the competition because obviously we've got those same factors of travel and tiredness and routine shakeup. And then again, over there, you have a lot more rain and softer grounds. Um, but like I said, I think we really adjusted how we did it in the second half of the season. And um, I also felt the South African teams really did use their home ground advantage to great effect. Okay, we are still speaking to Josh Strauss. For those just joining us, we just need to take a quick break and we'll continue after this. By the way, uh, the first quarterfinal, I know we've been focusing a lot on the South African teams and they are quarterfinals tomorrow, but the first quarterfinal is actually tonight. It's Ulster and Munster at 8.35 in the URC. So it is number, Ulster with third, so it's number three up against number six tonight. And then the South African teams will be playing tomorrow. Let's take a quick break. Send us your voice notes, 061 Flashback Fridays. Flashback Fridays on SAFM. Okay, 0614104107 is the number for your voice notes on WhatsApp. If you have any questions or comments for George Strauss, and I believe we've got a voice note here. Let's play it, Phineas. Good evening, Tabisa, and good evening to Josh. Well, uh, I used to watch him playing for Scotland. I didn't know that uh, he was from South Africa. So I must say that it's a big shocker. But uh, yeah, I just have two questions uh, for him. The first one is that, um, what does he think of South Africa's entry into Europe? You know, our teams uh, yesterday were, uh, just announced that we're going to play in the Champions Cup and also in the Challenge Cup. You know, our four teams are playing in the URC. What does he think of that? And maybe he can give the South African teams, well, uh, maybe you can say tips on how to play in the Champions Cup. Then the second question, uh, the banning question, of course, um is with regards to south africa's entry into the uh, six nations because we've played in the six nations should we enter the six nations is it good for arabi or not thank you libra here okay libra good to hear from you my friend some good questions there uh, josh has a lot of explaining to do about how he ended up at scott in scotland and playing for scotland but let's start with with what you raised here josh about the south african teams playing in two new competitions now next season on top of the urc you've got the champions cup and the challenge cup what do you make of this route that sa rugby is taking um again i'm probably a bit old school but <laughs> you know my vision my vision for south african rugby was always you know private equity into the curry cup teams across the country you know and the reason i say it is Obviously, I've had the pleasure of living in Scotland and England and seeing a lot of Europe with my rugby. And, you know, the the support for the local teams there is really astounding. You know, it doesn't matter how good a team is doing. And you see it in, in football, uh, soccer as well. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what division your team is. You basically support your town or your, your, your uh, province or whatever the case might be. But, um, you know, and I think that's been lost in south africa i think the uh, the meaning within the games like in the curry cup back in the day i'm talking a good few years ago obviously there was a lot of meaning to every game and there were different rivalries involved etc so i've always i've always had a hope that you know south africa would would build the curry cup up again so it's real rivalries and you know get get the smaller unions involved on, on a bigger scale again, like Boiland, you know, the Griffins and the Eagles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, again, because just because of the history of the country and, and the significance of those games, um, I do feel playing 
the challenge in the Champions Cup is great exposure to for our players and and uh, obviously for our viewers, etc. But in terms of the URC and those things, I just I feel sometimes I mean, and I think anyone can see that the support is faltering in South Africa compared to what it used to be maybe ten years ago. Mm. And I think that comes down to a lot that you know, obviously playing a team like Leinster is 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 great. But the significance for a Stormers fan, you know, there isn't that history and tradition. We don't know them. Tied to the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we know exactly. the Crusaders, we know the Blues and the Highlanders and all those guys, but we don't know these new teams. And then Six Nations then, there's there's also been talk about that. Um, I love the Tri-Nations. But again, ah. you know, that, that, was, that was my era yeah. and my time. And that's what I grew up watching. And I just... Um, you know, being again uh, lucky enough to have played in the Six Nations, again, I just don't want that competition to to lose the mm. tradition and and the the significance of those matches. Okay, I'm sure Colin from Cape Town will agree with you. He's a traditionalist like you. Um, says uh, the Curry Cup was the big tournament, and we must stick to what we've been doing over the years. And just on tomorrow, then, Josh, knowing the Scottish teams very well, can Edinburgh um, give the Stormers a problem? I think they can and they will and you know that's the beauty of um uh finals rugby as they call it you know whether it's the quarter or semi or the final uh you know it's knockout rugby and anything can happen on the day obviously i do think the stormers have a big advantage being at home um i went to watch my old team glasgow play the stormers in mm. the round robin uh during the season and obviously the stormers blew them away and i just think that glasgow couldn't keep up with the pace and after the travel and you know all these things um so i think the Stormers will do well to look at that game. Obviously, the Scottish teams play a very similar brand of rugby, similar brand of player. And um, I think the Stormers will just try and, and mimic what they did in that game. And they, they did very well there. So, Edinburgh, like I say, on the day, could go anyway. But uh, I think both teams have a chance. Okay, but the Bulls start as heavy favourites against the Sharks, I guess, obviously because they were they finished higher than them on the log, but they were also um they also have a home quarter final. But the Sharks did beat them in the round robin stages twice, so it's not as clear cut as it looks here, Josh, or is it? No, I think I think that same, you know, I don't wanna give all my answers that both teams can win just to be political. <laughs> I do honestly think um, I thought the Sharks had them. Like you said, in the round-robin stages uh, of the competition, the Sharks played extremely well both those games against them. Um, but then then again, you know, the Bulls at home and it's a, it's a quarter-final. They'll be mm. really, really up for it. Yeah, and Jack White knows how to win these big games. Eh? And um, yeah. now let's look back at your career, Josh Strauss. I mean, I guess the obvious question came from um, Libra, who says he didn't even know that you were South African and he saw you playing for Scotland. How then do you end up playing for Scotland? Uh, just through the residency rule. I, um, I, I mean, obviously I was playing at the Lions at the time and I made my second Springbok camp, the first one, I just the alignment stuff you know mm. i sort of just got onto the scene and second camp i made it to the, uh, close to the final squad i'm assuming you know all the big names were there and i was training with them and then you know it's just a lot of things at the same time the lions had just been relegated out of super rugby um and i just signed a three-year deal obviously to play super rugby so my only options at the time were 
either getting loaned out to another franchise, i.e. maybe the Bulls or the Stormers or whatever the case was, um, or go overseas. And um, so I told my agent to look overseas. Obviously, I was getting close to 26 and I wasn't a young gun anymore. And uh, when we looked around, you know, Scotland, well, Glasgow came in and tried to sign me. And to be honest, at the beginning of the conversation, it wasn't really, you know, we want you to come and play for Scotland. It was just, we want you to come play for Glasgow. And when I got there, you know, they explained the residency rule to me and how everything would work. And yeah, I just lived there for three years and then you qualify. That, that uh, Bok camp that you speak about, was it, was it Heineken Mayer's planning sessions in 2012? Yes. Yeah. So 2011, it was also Heineken. I made the alignment camp. So it was just the Lions players with the Cheetahs players um just you know getting used to the game plans and getting all the information for if you maybe made make it through so didn't make it through that one and the next year again it was with heineke um and i know that rusty was also you know a part of the brains trust there and uh yeah i made that that squad and then i got cut just before the england tests and you know they, then also the lions thing came in about falling out of super rugby and everything happened all at once so yeah that all sort of factored into my decision and there were a lot of high-quality loose forwards back then, eh? PSPs, Dwayne, Marcel Coutier, Keegan Daniel, Willem Alberts, all these guys. Skulk Berger, the Skulk whole lot Berger. of them, yes. Very, yes. very, lots of, lots of depth, yes. Hendrik Brasso, also, yes. Mm. Yeah, no, no. Lovely guy, Hendrik Brasso, yeah. Yeah, no, I can understand. And and then, so, then, you, how was it then going to, the, to a World Cup with Scotland then, uh, Josh? 2015, you were there. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting, you know, given my age, I sort of knew it was probably going to be the only World Cup I, w- I would be able to play in. And, um, you know, I I don't know, when I was a kid, you know, you always think about the World Cup and traveling to all these cool places like New Zealand and Australia. And unfortunately for me, the World Cup was in England. And I basically, Scotland and England are sort of one country. I know that they'll you know, crucify me for saying that. But uh, you just drive down from Scotland to England, you know, there's no real border, nothing like that. So um, the World Cup was in England. So it was a great experience. But I always hoped to like go to Japan for a World Cup or something like where you travel and stay in hotels. And I ended up staying in hotels, but just in England. And um, yeah, but it was fun. I mean, I some of my best friendships that I made was in Scotland. They're great people, very friendly, great sense of humor. So, you know, albeit the weather wasn't the best always there, I made some great friendships and the team culture was incredible. Okay, well, you did play against Japan at that World Cup, but you also played against the Springboks then. What was going through your mind lining up against the box? Um, yeah, obviously, I was excited. I knew a lot of the guys you know, personally from playing against them. And, you know, we're not all best mates, like some people might believe, but we all play against each other. And there is this sort of fraternity of rugby players. And you all, whenever you see someone, you know, out and about, we'll say hi to each other and have a little chat. So it was it was nice. It was uh, obviously, I got the question a lot at the time, you know, how's it playing against your mm. birth country and all these things. But it was just... I just took it as another game, you know, otherwise you overthink it and you think yourself out of a game. And but I was excited about it. And obviously a lot of my 
friends and guys that I even looked up to when I was younger, like Skulk Brits and, and Skulk Brits and Skulk Berger and all these guys were playing. Um, so it was, a, it was a great honor and I was very excited and they unfortunately beat us quite easily that game, which I wasn't too happy about. But yeah, you know, that, so life goes. 34-16 it, it was. But were they not chipping you there, Josh? No, not really. I mean, they... We were having a bit of banter on the field, but it was all light-hearted. And mm. but they were marking me. Unfortunately, they <laughs> knew what I, how I play, and uh, like all I could really do was catch and run straight into people. So they just marked me, and you know, every time they would tackle me, they'd give me a bit of banter on at the bottom of the rack or whatever. But it was lovely. Obviously, after the game, just chatting to all of them, and you know, saying how you how you are and having a word and then we swapping shirts and having a beer in the changing room afterwards. So even though you lose, you know, that's the great thing about rugby. You've got all those nice things around the game. Yeah. And now looking back at your international career, um, would you have changed anything? Are you still happy with the decision that you made to go and play for, for Scotland? Yes. I, I always said to my wife, you know, um, I wouldn't be the person that I am today if all the things that I did didn't happen to me. And um, like I said, you know, both times when Glasgow was down here and Edinburgh is down here at, at the moment, and I went uh, for a coffee and stuff with those boys last night. And when Glasgow was here, I went out to Stellenbosch where they were based and, you know, I had dinner with them. And it's just, you know, the friendships that I built there and um you know the time that i had and obviously the opportunity to represent them as a nation was incredible so no, I, I wouldn't change a thing and did you feel welcomed by the people there of scotland when you played for them considering that you are south african yeah i was uh obviously there's i think in any country you're going to get a bit of backlash and you know from the old faithfuls you know say the things like you're taking someone's spot to scottish properly scottish and and all these things but i mean like good press and bad press you take it from where it comes and you just get on with it but i would say in large very very warmly welcomed there i mean even to glasgow and obviously the fan base there was incredible and um I, I got a lot of lot of love and respect from them as well and then obviously that makes it easier going into the national setup because you've got a big uh fan base of people who, who like you and obviously appreciate what you do so it just makes it a bit easier mm. and you you clearly have a soft spot for the glasgow warriors they play leinster tomorrow i know there's always a chance in sport but how much of a chance do they have against this this leinster team that topped the log I mean, it's obviously, it's games of my time the final day, my first year that we lost to them. Then we played the final against them at home. So at their home stadium the next year and we lost again. So it's an incredibly tough team to play in any stage of any competition. And then obviously in a, in a finals game at home, they are even tougher. So I think, you know, if I had to choose a favorite there, I'm, even though I love Glasgow and the boys who play there, I'm going to say Leinster. But, you know, given the fact that uh, Larry Shaw beat them last week, you know, Glasgow can take a lot of confidence and probably analysis from that game and on how to possibly win the game. And just as you wrap up, Josh Strauss, I mean, uh, you also played here at home and you had a successful time actually at the Lions, leading them to the Curry Cup victory in 2011. How do you look back at your time there? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I've i said this in interviews before, I sort of didn't 
walk the normal path that yeah. some players walk, you know, from playing first team straight into a contract. So I had a lot to a lot of twists and turns before I actually got to the Lions and you know I've got fond me my wife loved it there you know she loved Joburg she loved the players wives and obviously the players themselves and we just had a very good time and I must say very warm and welcoming union and a lot of the, the senior players I mean I remember how intimidated I felt walking into my first team meeting, you know, and guys like Kovis Groblar, Vikas van Yedden, Topis Lagranti, you know, Franke van der Merwe, I can go on and on and on. But all these big name guys that I've been watching for three, four, five years or whatever the case was and walking into a room with them and having to sit there and, you know, they all greet you. And I just remember how intimidating that moment was and then how warm and welcoming they were. And obviously I had some great mentors there, guys like Vikas and Kovis Groblar. And I mean, I took a lot from them and advice and, um, you know, I was always a bit of a goofy youngster when they first met me, but uh, I always I, I try and stay in touch with those guys and just tell them how much I appreciate the the time they gave me. Okay, wonderful. But but I'm sure it must have been even sweeter considering that that we've read that you almost quit the game a couple of years earlier due to a serious knee injury. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I didn't walk the normal path and I fought very hard to get into, you know, certain spots. And when I finally made it to my first um, senior Premier Division Curry Cup team, Boerland, here in Wellington, that's why I love the, the Boerland and Wellington, because they were yeah. the first team to give me an opportunity. Um, so came and played out here and I finally made the, the senior starting team and I was going very well and I just signed a new one-year contract to play again and Literally the next year in the first preseason, like warm-up thing we were doing at Marty's, I blew out my knee and I was told I might never run again. It's all like, you know, 50-50. So I lost my contract and all this. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm just very, very lucky and grateful to have gotten to where I did. And obviously all the experiences that came with that, you know, the line. With that, you know, the line. But but how did you get over that injury? But, but how did you get over that? Uh, just, uh, just uh, I did a lot of work. All those things, and okay. then all those things, you know, it just yeah, wasn't. At one stage, I I remember I was at the Marty's gym. Um, you know, and I was sort of contemplating, will I ever play again? And am I going to study now? And all these things, and I just got on the bike and I. I'd done all the rehab. I was doing rehab basically every day, and but my knee was always sore. And one day I just got on the bike and I cycled, and it wasn't sore for the first time in I think it was 11 months. So I thought, geez, you know, this is a good sign. Let me take my trainers outside and see if I can run. And I ran, and I could manage it. And yeah, I just started working from there. Okay, we've got one more voice note here before we we finish our interview with Josh Strauss. We're still speaking to Veli Lamnyandu. He's already on the line to finish off our conversation from last night. But let's play that voice note. Uh, good evening, Tabiso and Josh. Um, I just want to say to Josh, um, he used to play his boots out against my team, Western Province. Otherwise, he's a great player. Thanks for the memories, even though I'm not a Lions fan. Um, my question to you is that... Um, do you think we will miss uh, the super up in terms of the playing standard, or does it improve? Or since we're not playing super rugby, um, our professional rugby standard has gone down. I just want your input on that one. Tutu from Eastern Cape, thanks. Thanks, Tutu. I think he did touch on that. He's a, he misses the old super rugby, right, Josh? Yeah, I definitely do miss super <laughs> rugby, and I think. Um, the point that that he touched on is, you know, with Super Rugby, 
the timings were different. So we had Super Rugby and then Curry Cup, whereas what ha- what's happening at the moment with the URC, and that's why I think the provincial rugby has really taken a knock, is, you know, they play the same time of the year. So obviously the best players are going to be focusing on the URC, and then, you know, the young the younger guys and, like, squad players are playing in those provincial competitions, where, you know, back when we were playing Super Rugby properly, the Curry Cup, teams were you know the strongest teams they had most of the Springboks playing etc so obviously that is going to give a, a big knock to provincial rugby okay finally i'm leaving the best for last i see it's a popular question also josh do you still have the beard and what's the story with the beard <laughs> i do still have the beard uh i that's probably my most commonly asked question is I once did an interview and I sort of joked about, you know, they asked me why I had the beard and I joked and I just said, you know, my, my missus at the time, who was my girlfriend, my wife now, mm-hmm. she's in Cape Town and I'm just going to grow the beard to look as ugly as possible till she gets back, basically, <laughs> and I'll shave it. Um, but, you know, it was, it was I, I said it more in jest, you know, the truth is I started shaving at 12. I was shaving basically every day of my life since 15. You know, our schools are in South Africa mm. very strict. Mm. And then by the time I hit 18, I was just over it. And, you know, if you really go into the archives, you can see I had the big beard and Poilant and things like that as well. So I just always had it really. There it is then, answering a lot of your questions there, Josh Strauss. But thanks for being able to speak to us, Josh. Good to hear from you. Uh, thank you for the memories and we wish you all the best with what you are doing right now. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Have a lovely evening. Thanks, Josh. What a nice guy. Keep well. Former Scotland International Libra. How is that? eh? Uh, Josh Strauss there. Okay, by popular demand. Popular demand. Sounds like a song from Dallas. We're going to speak to Veli Lemnyandu shortly.